Hey guys, the show is about ready to start, but really quick, I wanted to grab your attention, tell you to have a pencil and paper ready. I have some very important information you're going to want to stick around for after the show regarding updated contact information, websites, and more. Everything's changed. Holy cow. What do I mean? Everything's ready to start. I gotta run. Stick around after the show and I'll get you filled in. Welcome to this podcast. Get ready. Here we go. GOST Radio proudly presents Random Illusions, the podcast where the occult community goes for its listening pleasure. I'm your host, Shasta Ray. Grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, or grab a glass of wine at the end of a long day if that's what you want to do. Kick back, settle in, and hang out with me for just a little bit while we chat it up about magic. Oh my gosh, it is a really special, incredible episode of Random Illusions, and we are doing something totally new We are at Season 2, Episode 51, and we are here with Big Al, who Miss Aida sent my direction, Alfred Santariga, and he is a paranormal guy that you have all different kinds of directions. You've got UFO knowledge, you've got Sasquatch knowledge, you've got Dogman, and okay, so why don't we just do a smorgasbord on some of the stuff you've done, how you got into this, a little bit about who you are, and whatever you want people to know about you. I'm sure my listener base is going to be very intrigued with anything you present. Okay. Um, my name is Al Santariga, and I'm the founder of the Bronxville Paranormal Society. That's how I got started. My mother was a psychic, and she always had abilities. My brother what, is a parapsychologist. So, you know, growing up in my house, there was always books on ghost hunting, Bigfoot, UFOs, stuff like that. And uh, I had my first UFO sighting at 10. Wow. I had my first Bigfoot sighting at 12 down in South Florida. And life has been a journey, you know, and it just, it's taken me. I've had a two winters ago, I had an ascension that was unbelievable, you know. Wow. And, and uh, it's just, it's been an, every time I try to walk away from the field, like the universe says, I'm not ready to let you go, you know, and it just pulls me back in. <laughs> so I said, you know what, I'll just, I'll just wait till the universe tells me it's time for me to go and stop trying to walk away. I wanted to ride off into the sunset, but I just can't get away, you know. So. Well, that that happens when you're needed. So, you know, I got to say, I mentioned this to you uh, when I first met with you on the phone, and I had a friend in the Seattle area. She was always very proud to be in Bigfoot country. Her name was Jean Marie. She passed away five and a half years ago. And so that was always a big thing. So when I went out there, I got myself Bigfoot souvenirs each time I would go out. And it's funny that we're recording this because she took me to one of those ugly sweater parties at Christmas time. And the guy that won had a Bigfoot on his sweater. So I'm really intrigued about just that specifically. But I want to talk about a little of everything because this is just fun stuff. And and uh, it's been hard finding the real deal. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this that you know you're in Bigfoot country too. So <laughs> just so you know that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, skunk ape, wood booger, whatever you want to call it, is found all over the United States and basically all over the world. So wow. wherever you are, you're in Bigfoot country. Believe me. Um, so what is Sasquatch? What is Bigfoot? And is it a different type of human? Is it very yeah. elusive? It's a type of animal. Like what is it? Everyone wants to know. Yeah, now um, the Native Americans say that they um, they walk between worlds and they are supernatural. And, you know, the longer you do this, I've been doing this for like decades, you know, 40 years. And the longer you do this, the more you experience stuff that is just not easily explained. You know, a trackway in the middle of the snow that leads down the middle of a field that just ends doesn't go anywhere else it just ends or you'll find one footprint what happened to the other footprint or you'll see balls of light in the woods and then a ufo will appear and then a sasquatch will come out of the woods i mean so you know my 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 mind has changed so many times on the subject but i'm at the point now after my ascension and I was told the secrets of the universe that everything is connected. All this paranormal stuff, everything that we call paranormal is normal in the universe. And everything is connected. And the Bigfoot, I believe, like Native Americans, that they are a people. Wow. So what was your experience with with this at 12 years old? Oh, geez. Um, you want me to, to tell the whole story or just give you like a brief summary of what happened? It's your mic. Um, okay, I was 12 years old, and I was down South Florida. My cousin Anthony would come down with me every summer. It was like our summer camp. We would go down and visit my sister. Her husband was an ex-Marine. He had a restaurant. He had a beautiful home with a pool. You know, we, we were very lucky. You know, there were other kids in the neighborhood that, you know, we would go horseback ride, and we had our own dirt bikes. One night um, late, we were sleeping we first one night we were watching like and i'm gonna date myself we were watching don kirshner's rock concert okay come on at one o'clock in the morning after wrestling okay so we're (laughs) watching the rock concert and something walked by the house that stunk to high heaven and my sister had 225 pound german shepherds that were canine trained and they went crazy and i had to pull the dogs in the garage otherwise they're gonna work the whole house up so the next morning, we told my my brother and my sister-in-law breakfast. Something walked by the house last night, stunk to high heaven. And my brother turned, my brother-in-law turned around and said, "Oh, that must have been the skunk ape." And me and my cousin Anthony, <laughs> well, you know, we were guys from the city. We're like skunk ape. What the? And we thought they were pulling our leg. You know, like what's a skunk ape? You know. And my sister said, "No, it's a, it's a bigfoot, and it just has a really bad smell." We're like, yeah, okay, you know. So at night, we would go into the swamp and we'd have bonfires and parties and stuff like that with the other guys in the neighborhood. And I'd ask them, and they were like, oh, yeah, when it gets hot like this around this time of the year, the skunk ape will come around, you know? And and they were telling, like, we're like, yeah, like, yeah. And uh, they were serious. And I was like, wow, maybe there's something to this. A few nights go by, cousin Anthony and I are sleeping in in like a sunroom. My sister had like a, a pull-out couch that faced the front of the house, a giant uh, picture window, central lights all around the house. The front of the house was open. She had a circular driveway with a fountain, beautiful fountain. Everything else was fenced in with a six-foot fence. 
So we're laying in bed just, you know, again, after one o'clock in the morning, we're, we're laying in bed and we see this giant shadow go across the wall in front of us. And it, the dogs go absolutely ballistic. Again, I take the dogs, throw them in the garage. I crawl over to the picture window that has a shade on it, you know, and I peek out the shade and there's this nine foot thousand pound monster looking at the picture window. And I think it's looking at me. And it does like this incredible Hulk flex and scream. It, it screams so loud. My cousin fell out of bed, right? So then it walks. Wow. Not, not that it, not, I thought, you know, in hindsight, being 20, I thought it seen me, but it was looking at it, maybe its reflection. And it thought it was another creature, you know? Mm-hmm. And it started to walk around the side of the house. And so my cousin and I ran into a bathroom that was on that side of the house. We kept the lights off. We're looking at it. It's walking past the fence. And that's why I got the height because our fence was six foot high and this thing was head and shoulders above the fence. So I'm going to say wow. it was about nine feet tall, reaches down, grabs a wild watermelon, takes a bite out of it. There's nothing left of this watermelon, drops it on the ground, walks towards the back of the house. We run to the screened in porch again. The lights are off, so you can't see us. The whole time this thing is walking, it's looking right at us like it can see us, you know. But we, you know, like, how could it see us? The lights are off. It's pitch black. But it's looking at us. Gets to the man-made lake behind our house, squats down, drinks some water, looking at us, walks off into the swamp where we hang out at night, and just goes off. So screaming like the high heaven. And the cows are going crazy. And the horses are going crazy. And like, man, you know, we, we couldn't believe what we just seen. Like, you know, I thought it was a monster. I wow. thought I thought I seen a monster. So a few nights go by and every time my brother-in-law would come home from the, from the restaurant, like on the weekends when he, when he stay open late, he would always bring my cousin, Anthony and I a couple of pizzas to, to munch on a midnight snack, you know, and we were sitting in the patio on the back eating the pizzas and we heard a gun going off at uh, down the street from us was a horse rancher. And we heard a gun going off, bang, 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 you know? So he goes, jump on your dirt bikes and go over and see what's going on at the at the horse rancher's house. Now, this guy had just brought a wild Mustang in from like Wyoming. He couldn't put it in the stalls with the other horses because it would kick and it made all the other horses nervous. So he yeah, would leave it. He would leave it out in the in the corral. He had a seminal Indian coming every day to work the horse to break it. This thing was out in the corral, a wild Mustang. This creature creeps up behind this Mustang and grabs it on its hind quarters, okay? And when he grabbed this Mustang, uh, this horse kicked out, jumped over the corral, ran into the pasture to get away. The horse rancher heard all the commotion. He came out shooting. The creature ran into the swamp. So the sheriff said, okay, we're going to start picking up the patrols in the neighborhood. It was a, a two blocks. It was two square mile neighborhood, like one giant square. And we had canals all around us. Okay. So the next day, the Seminole Indian comes, gets the horse out of the pasture, brings it back. And when he comes back, the horse has handprints in its hind quarters. Wow. Not claw marks, handprints. Okay. In its hind quarters. And so a few nights go by, a week or something like that. And my sister had friends fly in from New York. They took them out down to Miami for dinner and dancing. My cousin Anthony and I babysitted the kids. They got home around two in the morning, you know, and of course the dogs go crazy when they pull into the driveway. 
So we let the dogs out and my, you know, my brother-in-law's getting out of the car and he says, any action tonight, you know? And we said, no, I've been really quiet. No sooner did we say that we heard a horrific scream, blood curdling scream that just sent chills down your spine. My sister ran into the house with the dog. She didn't know what it was. She didn't want to know what it was. My brother-in-law says, jump in the car. So my cousin Anthony grabbed shotgun. I jumped in the backseat. I told my brother-in-law to open up the moonroof. I'm hanging out the moonroof. And we're racing down the street. And just as we get to our corner, a deputy is driving by really slow. And we could see at the far end of the development, another set of headlights coming around. And we know that's the sheriff they're doing, you know, pass. So as everybody's looking to the left, because that's where the deputy's got his spotlight, because that's where the swamp is. This creature runs out from between two houses and the deputy hits it with his police car. And it was like this car hit an oak tree. Okay. And this, this creature went down, got back up, was not happy. Okay. And my brother-in-law hits it with the high beam so we can get like a really good look at it. And it limps over to the police car. And you can see the deputy holding onto the steering wheel, you know, from behind and it, does a hammer punch on the front of the police car and it screams at the deputy and the car comes off the ground on the back, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it limps off into the swamp. Sheriff comes down, sees the car and he says, you know, tells the deputy, why didn't you shoot it? You have the shotgun right there. He's like, "Um, no, the shotgun wasn't big enough, you know? And um, so he's taking the deputy statement. He's taking our statements, I guess, for the accident report for the car. And the cattle rancher who lived down the street from us comes racing up the street and he says, Sheriff, you got to come to the pasture. You got to see what that creature did to my prize bull. And this guy had a Brahma bull, a white bull with a hump in its neck. If it was 2,500 pounds, it weighed an ounce, okay? This thing was as big as a VW bus, right? Right. That's how big it was. We get there and the sheriff is panning the, the pasture. And there's the there's the bull bleeding out with no head. It's literally this creature ripped the head off this bull. Wow. Now and, do they do they feed on stuff like that or do they just get irritated and, and take their aggressions out if it's in their way? Or I think the bull was defending the cows, you know, it was defending its pasture. Territory. Yeah. Yeah. And it charged the creature and I think the creature just defended itself, you know. And um a hundred yards away at the other end of the pasture was the head. So they, you know, the the cattle ranch is going nuts because this bill cost them a fortune, you know. Right. And you got to remember, it's 1974. We're in a little town in South Florida where the biggest thing that happens is the rodeo on the Fourth of July. Everybody in this town are cowboys. There's right. No, so that's a there's big no, deal. There's no sidewalks. There's all just dirt roads. Everybody's a cowboy. This is a cowboy town, okay. And um, he, this sheriff says, okay, we're going to take it. Calls in the town police, the county police, the state police. They come in with helicopters and horses and dogs, and they swear they search the swamps, and they've never found the creature, you know. And we thought that summer, we thought there were so many uh, skunk ape sightings that summer because it was a drought in South Florida. There was fires in the Everglades, and it was driving all the creatures inland. Okay, wow. And every single day. There was another report on the news or in the newspaper about skunk ape sighted here, skunk ape sighted there. So we thought that 
the newspaper was going to come and interview us. We were eyewitnesses and we were really excited and nobody came to witness us, to talk to us. It was never mentioned in any of the papers. And I don't know why it was there was a kibosh put on this, this one particular account. But I met a woman who lived in Florida. She worked for the BFRO. She lived in the next town over. She was the same age as me. Her father had an um, auto mechanic shop in Davie, and he, he would go home and tell her all these stories. I think they lived in Plantation, Florida. I think that's where they lived. Her name was Ree. And uh, so she did a, a big article on me. And in the end of my article, she put in all the newspaper clippings from that summer. And there had to be like 25 different clippings in the newspaper that summer. Wow. Well, her uncle worked the next town over to the south of us, which was New City, I believe it was called. And um, he was a he was a sheriff. He had two books, the official book and the non-official book. And when he retired, he gave her his non-official book that had all the accounts of all the skunk ape uh, sightings that they had that summer, you know, that when he worked on the fourth, because they would get reports. People would call and say, there's a peeping Tom looking in my window, you know, a seven foot black man. That's so strange. And they would go there and they would see a, a skunk ape looking in somebody's window. As soon as the creature seen them, the police, it would jump into the swamp and swim away, you know, but they couldn't report that. They would just say in the official document, they say, we went there, we didn't see anybody, nobody was there. And then they had the unofficial book that had the real explanation in it, you know? Oh, so, how strange. Yeah. No, so, no, I mean, like, what other, like, widespread, like I said, my friend in Seattle, they make a big deal of it out there. There's Bigfoot everywhere. And you say it's everywhere. So it seems like they would probably be in areas where there's going to be more places for them to hide or retreat to or something. But where do they go? Or do you feel like they just have portals that are coming in from other areas? Well, they do make uh, shelters. They do have shelters. They have a couple of different kinds of shelters. They'll have a shelter that they'll build that if they're going to be in one location for like, say, the summer, they're in one location, they'll build a shelter that's like, they'll get these trees that are like eight inches in diameter and they'll make like a, a teepee and then they'll weave other trees through them. Trees that are this thick. I don't know how they weave them. It's mind boggling. If you ever see one up close and personal, I I happened to find one. I went inside. I got pictures. It's crazy. Just oh wow, I'd good. love to see that. And the my, the friends that were with me had pictures as well. Um, that on that investigation, and they then they also make what we people call like a nest, where it's just up something that they'll sleep in for a day or two if they're going to be in the area, and then they'll move on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's not going to yeah, it's not going to protect them from the elements or anything like that. But it's just a uh, softer and sleeping on a hard ground. But um, and they also make like hunting blinds as well. It'll look like again, it could look like a teepee or something like that. But you know, when you look at it, you can see that even though it's created in a shelter form, there's it's not going to protect them from the elements. And I think they use those just to hide behind, if so, they can like hunt and grab a deer or something going by, or if a person is coming by, they could just lay down in the shadows and people won't see them. 
But mm-hmm. I believe that they have supernatural abilities. Um, I believe that they can raise their vibration or their frequency and change the spectrum of light they're in. So like if you're look like I interviewed a lot of hunters that said I, you know, had it was not that they were going to shoot the creature, but they were looking at it through the scope of their gun, you know, okay. just to get a better look at what they're seeing. Because when you see these things up close and personal, your brain can't comprehend what your eyes are seeing because they're so imagine. massive. Yeah, yeah, it's so massive You because your brain says this is not supposed to exist, you know. So I've interviewed a bunch of hunters that said, look, I'm looking at this thing in my in my scope and I got the best scope in the world on my gun, and yada, yada, yada. And they disappeared. I don't think they literally disappeared. I think they knew that they were in your crosshairs. They changed. They raised their vibration. They changed the spectrum of light they were in. And now you can't see them anymore. Wonder okay. if they're like a partial energy creature that can be solved. Yes, they're definitely. And I think that's how they go in and out of portals into different dimensions. They raise their vibration. They change their energy. Um, and I think, I don't think they can blink in and out of different dimensions. Like I dream a genie, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. But I, I think there are certain locations that they go to if they want to go back to wherever dimension they came from. And they raise their vibration. They turn themselves into uh, forms of energy. And then they they transfer over to the other dimension that they come from. But I think they come here because there's plenty of food here. Um, there's plenty of shelter here. There's that famous picture that has been around since the 70s where it's off in the distance in a woody area. I forget where it was taken. And it looks like it's walking and kind of looking sideways. Seen it, yeah, the Patterson Gilbert film. Yeah. yeah. So, did they look like that? Was well, that was proven to be a hoax? I think. No, that I, wasn't a hoax. That's the oh, real that deal. wasn't okay. No, absolutely. And anyone that tells you it's a hoax is lying to you. That's See, the like real I deal. said, I, I am not educated on this. Yeah, no, no, that's that's okay, real so, footage, and there's a long story behind that footage, but we won't get into that because it's dark. But anyway, that that's what they call that the Patty footage. And um, they don't all look like that. But, and they're like us. Different ones look different. Like they'll not only do the hair come in different colors, cinnamon, red, brown, blonde, white. I've seen a white one. But they also have different facial structures and head structures. And you know what I mean? And just like, you know, Chinese, European, Africans, you know what I mean? We're all human beings, but we look different. Mm-hmm. And that's the same way with them as well. Hmm. How interesting. You had mentioned Dogman. I am not familiar with Dogman, but since you mentioned it, it's come up a couple times. So what is Dogman? Okay. Um Dogman is a term I'm not I'm not really crazy about. Um I can't think of the, the woman's gonna... name. She's from Michigan. And she um coined the term dogman. She was researching the Michigan dog the Michigan dogman. And it was a creature out in Michigan. No, the Beast of Bray Road. That was, she was, uh, I think the Beast of Bray Road was in Wisconsin. And she was investigating that. She was a reporter. And the people told, you know, where she was, they, she was, well, explain to me what it looks like. And it's like, it's a bipedal creature that kind of, that looks like a wolf, but it's seven feet tall. And it, you know, but it's wolf like. And, but she didn't want to use the term wolf man. You know, then hmm. everybody thinks Hollywood movies, werewolves and stuff like that. So she she 
Linda Godfrey was her name. Linda Godfrey, okay. God rest her soul. She was a great woman, a uh, sweetheart. She she coined the term dog man. Okay, I believe it looks more like a wolf than a dog, to be honest with you. But again, this is another creature that comes in different shapes and sizes. They've looked like some of them look look claim that they look like they have more of a bear snout than a dog snout. Some some people say. Some of them look like a hyena. They have a hyena face, you know. So different, different, uh, what you would call breeds of the dog man, as well as the Bigfoot. And I think you, if wherever you find big Bigfoots, you'll find a dog man because maybe they hunt. Another, they, maybe it's they, another race, you know. They and they hunt. They hunt in the same locations, you know. So um, they, you'll definitely find them. And we were bluff charged by one one night, but that's a whole different story. And, uh, but um, yeah, no, and everybody thinks like they're, when they see these creatures, the dogmen I'm, I'm talking about, they, they get the vibe that they're evil, the malevolent evil creature, you know what I mean? And it just freaks people out to see a seven foot, you know, 500 pound wolf-like creature standing on two legs you know with giant teeth and a giant head and they, they get people get scared i don't necessarily believe that they're all bloodthirsty killers i think if that was the case more hunters and hikers and campers would go missing every year i think they do what they do to intimidate us to get us out of their area so that whether they are hunting or they have pups with them or something like that. Um, like I said, we were bluff charged by one. We didn't know we were right by a den and it may have had pups in the den and it bluff charged us. And I'm sure, I mean, we were wow. in the middle of the woods. We had uh, 18 inch machetes and 10 inch survival knives and pepper spray. But I don't know if the three of us would have survived that attack if it decided to come over the wall, you know. So, right. but you know, like I said, we walked away from that. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a real thing. It's out there, and um, you know, I always tell people when they go hiking or they go um, into the woods researching, whether it be for dogman or bigfoot, always protect yourself physically. Just remember where you're going. There are there are real anim there are animals out there like cougars and wolves and mountain lions and mm -hmm. you know coyotes that could actually kill you bears. Um, so if you can protect yourself physically, but also protect yourself spiritually, because there are a lot of people who go into the woods woods and do dark things and conjure dark stuff. And you may just walk into it blindly and bring home a hitchhiker, you know. So be right. careful. Be careful when you go into the woods. Absolutely. So one question I have is because like ever since I was a kid, you know, Bigfoot was one of the things that you hear about as well as, you know, other paranormal stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's just a real big famous one. So it's really fun to talk about for me. What do you feel uh, lends to like you've seen it several times? I'm sure other people have other people never once in their life are they ever going to get a glimpse of it maybe they're out in areas like this and never once in their life do they see anything weird what do you think is the difference between one person and another do you think some people if you're looking for it you're more apt to see it because your mind is maybe aligned with that or do you think that maybe just some people are oblivious what what is the difference i believe that it's a combination of things i believe a they're very good at um, hiding 
So you could you could you could be right next to one and not know it's there. You know, um, they're also they're they're very curious, but yet they're they don't want to deal with man because they know how deadly we are. You know, so they're they don't want to deal with us. But there's also I I believe it's some people's energy, like when they go out into the woods, if their energy. Like my psychic is Native American on my team, and she says they always know the minute I go out there because they can tell my, they they can sense my energy. They know I'm coming, and they're always happy to see me because of my energy and you know my intent. I always go out with good intent. I don't go out with any you know malicious i uh, intent in mind. You know they, you know it's it's a combination of your energy, your intentions. And as far as finding them, don't go out and look for them. You're never going to find them. Find a location that has a lot of sign. Bends, breaks, arches, twists. Sit there and they'll find you. If they're mm. in the area, if they're in the area, they will find you. Believe oh, me. Interesting. Yes, you'll you'll never like all these TV shows where they're out searching every night, walking all over 10 months. No. Find a location that's got all the all the right signs. Sit down, build the campfire, play a guitar, and I guess smoke some cigarettes if that's what you do, any kind of cigarettes you want, and <laughs> they will find you. Believe me, they will. Oh, they're, wow. they're very curious. Now, is there they, any advice you would have for someone that would engage in this? Do you, hey, set a watermelon over there 10 feet from your campfire? You said they ate the watermelon one time Um, no i don't i don't believe in feeding them i've known people who've uh, habituated them and it didn't work out you know a lot of people will start with meat and meat is the worst thing you can give them because if you give them meat they will follow you home and expect you to feed them every single night what i always tell people if you have to habituate them you feel like you need to habituate these creatures or these people, which is what I really truly believe they are, then feed them things they can find in nature, fruits, vegetables, nuts. Because then when they're done finishing off your fruits and vegetables, they can go somewhere else where they know there's an apple orchard or something like that, and they won't follow you home. I only gift trinkets, whistles, bells, um, squeaky toys, marbles, stuff like that they love that stuff they love playing with it they love noisemakers you know what i mean fun that's what i do that's i've had believe it or not i've had like four or five maybe six different epiphanies in the last three years that just like the thought never crossed my mind and then something happens you have these epiphanies and you're like wow i never that thought never and i have people that are senior to me that i reach out to and I'll tell them, I was like, hey, listen, did you ever experience this, that, or the other thing? And they'll start laughing and they'll say, okay, you've, uh, you've gone to another level now. Now you should expect this. <laughs> and I say, well, why don't you just tell me this from the start so I know what to do to get that response? And they're like, no, we were the way the Native Americans taught us is you have to experience it for yourself in your time. Oh, then, yeah. Once you've experienced it for yourself in your time, then we can tell you this is where the, this is going to lead down this road, you know, to let it follow it where it goes. And you'll That's experience inter- more things. 
That's interesting you say that because just in our spiritual path, my co-host Tim, who couldn't be here tonight, we've just experienced that in our spiritual path. Like you have to find your own realizations in your own time. So that's really reflective of that. That's very interesting. And that has really held true for us with just other realizations and discoveries and stuff. But yeah, I think that holds true for a lot of things in the universe. Absolutely. Let's hit one more thing before we say goodbye. But you said people go out into the woods. They do conjuring. You've got to be careful. And you do paranormal investigations. Let's talk about that. That is really fascinating. And let's see what you have to say, because people need to hear this stuff. People do this stuff. And here again, you can trip into something. You don't know what you're tripping into. Yeah. And, you know, I've 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 done enough investigations and I know enough people in the field to know that. A, you should always protect yourself. Go, I go, I always go above and beyond. And I still, over the years, have had stuff attached to me once or twice. Nothing dark, but just something that wanted to relive, live, live again through my eyes or something that wanted to feed off of my aura because my aura was really bright. That was after my ascension. But um, when you go into the woods or you go anywhere, I tell people, even when you go out to these Halloween houses, you know, haunted houses on Halloween, protect yourself because they're feed, they feed on these entities, these dark negative feed on fear. And that's what these people are doing. They're trying to scare you. And that intent will invite dark stuff in. So when you go, go sage yourself before you go. Put some salt in your pockets to ground you. Sage yourself when you leave. Same thing for people who go to cemeteries and do cemeteries investigations. I can't tell you how many people I know who've done cemetery investigations, especially around Halloween, that have brought hitchhikers home that were dark and demonic. You know, you have to always protect yourself. We were doing an investigation one time. We had a woman who was a, a, a international blogger come in for a, a symposium. It was called the Pine Bush UFO Fair, okay? And she called me up and she said, Al, I'm in town. I want to go squatching. I've never gone squatching. Please take me squatching. So I was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> so me and my cameraman took her out into the woods, which happened to be a very dry summer. So we were able to get into locations that were either A, underwater, or be overgrown, but they weren't overgrown because there were some fires in the woods that year as well. So we're in we're in a location, and I'm showing her tree structures, and I'm saying this is a ba- this is a juvenile tree structure. You see how you know messed up it is. It's not quite as nice as this one over here. This is one that the parents made, and this is one that the juveniles were copying. You know, and at of course we were in the swamp at the time. We were we were getting eaten by mosquitoes. So my cameraman puts his camera down while it's still filming, and you hear all three of us talking. Um, do you need do you need the the spray, the bug spray, this, that, and the other thing? Picks up the camera. Nobody hears anything. They go home. She's staying. She's staying at his house. They go back to his house. She he puts the video up on the big screen TV just to just to show her, you know, what everything looked like on video. And lo and behold, there's a voice that comes through that says his name twice, and it's a female voice. And it says his name, it's a class A EVP that whispers Bill. Not once, but twice, it whispers Bill. And he calls me up, and he's freaking out. And I go, well, what are you freaking out for? This is what we do, you know? 
He goes, yeah, but they're not calling your name. They're calling mine. I said, well, whatever was there that day, we don't know what was there, was attracted to your energy. And we don't know what this female voice was or who it was or who conjured her or where she came from, you know? So, I mean, people go out into the woods and they do, not only do they do negative stuff, but they do positive too. Like Wiccans will go out and they'll do positive, you know, rituals and stuff like that, you know? But then you have these other people that'll go out and do dark stuff and conjure dark stuff, you know? And we've, we've walked into some things that are just naturally impossible we were at a lake one time and there was no wind. And then we hit it with a Tibetan singing bowl to amp up the frequency and the vibration of the area. And the wind started coming and it was coming from north to south. So we moved. We went to the east and the wind changed and followed us to the east. And everywhere we moved, north and west, the wind was always blowing in our face. Wow. How does that happen? That doesn't happen naturally, unless mm-hmm. the wind is blowing in a circle, but it wasn't blowing in a circle. It was always blowing in our direction. Uh, and there was another time we were in this thing that I call the stone corrals. There was two stone walls. Okay. I don't know who made them. There, no one knows who made them. And they're in the shape of almost like either a ship. Okay. And we were in the middle of those stone walls and it was a beautiful sunny day. Absolutely nice, four miles deep into the woods. And all of a sudden, it got dark and it got windy and the wind was swirling in all directions. And the little voice in my head said, we're not supposed to be in here. This is like some kind of sacred site, some ritual site. And when I tell you the wind was blowing so hard that we we had leaves were coming down in our faces and we couldn't see where we were. The minute we got out of that environment, it went back to being a beautiful sunny day. Wow. It doesn't make any sense how this stuff happens, but it happens. I haven't ever experienced wind like that. I have at weird times during spiritual moments. It'll pick up at very key times and stuff. And Tim and I have talked about that, but that's that's really unusual. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so let's uh, just since I, I'm doing this a little bit different because it's so interesting, we're going to put this on my friends and guests page so everyone can check this out. You have been doing all kinds of paranormal research for over 50 years, and you're involved in it looks like a whole bunch of different societies and groups. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm the, the founder of the Bronxville Paranormal Society. That's the ghost hunting branch of the of the group i hate the term ghost hunting but it's the best way to describe it then we we what what happened we know what happened honest to god this is the truth we were getting invited to all these different symposiums and the ufologists didn't like the fact that ghost hunters were at a a ufology thing and then we would go to a cryptozoology thing and the cryptozoologists didn't like the fact that there were ghost hunters there but we did everything because we experienced everything so what we did to make to to appease everybody and not to fight with anybody because i don't want to fight with anybody we branched out and we created the new york state sasquatch organization now we have a banner for that when we go to a cryptozoology thing we hang up our banner there's no problems same thing with the dogman pro we have the new york state dogman project we have a banner for that um, the New York State UFO Project, we have a banner for that. 
And you can see the banner behind me for the Bronxville Paranormal Society. So we have all these different banners now. So no matter what kind of symposium we get invited to, we can hang a banner and not have to deal with any of the the nonsense that goes on, the bickering that goes on between all the different uh, genres of the paranormal. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to cut this here, but I really want to invite you on to talk more about UFO stuff, other paranormal stuff. Let's just pepper you into the show whenever we both have time and you have some downtime, you want to chat. I think everyone's going to want to have you back. This has been a ton of fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, anytime you want me, just reach out to me. I'm retired now, so I got plenty right of time. Uh, nice. But uh, but um, I've like I said, I wanted to take a step back this year from any from investigating, from doing doing uh, radio interviews, and it just was like when it rains, it pours. I've been I get invited to so many different investigations, and you know, because these people are my friends and they're inviting me because they like me. I don't say no because I love being out there on the field investigating that's when i'm the most happiest you know and and then the the radio interviews are coming like they're just everybody wants me all of a sudden so again i i tell everybody i don't care if you have 20 listeners or twenty thousand listeners if our schedules can coincide together and i can do it i'd be more than happy to do it i'm honored for anyone to ask me to come on their show it doesn't matter to me i could talk about anything you want to talk about Oh, well, this is so fun. And I know people are really interested in this. And Miss Aida has been on the show. We end up talking about frauds and stuff. She's really passionate (laughs) about uh, correct information and uh, giving people the right information and, you know, keeping people's bank accounts safe and all that. So I was really happy that she referred you to me because I didn't even know where to start with finding someone reputable in the paranormal direction that has experience and has a lot of fun with it, too. So it sounds like yeah. you have a really great time. Yeah, no, I I, re- I enjoy I enjoy investigating. Like I said, it doesn't matter if it's cryptozoology, ufology, or paranormal investigating. I if I can, I'll go out. I'll investigate everything and anything. You know, I, I enjoy it. I'm at I'm at my happiest when I'm out investigating. You know. Okay, so I will put some links down in the show notes and your bio on the friends and guest uh, page on my randomillusions.com website. This has been so much fun. And so I guess all there is left to say is keep a smile on your face, keep a bounce in your step, keep practicing your magic. And by all means, go out there in the community, find these really interesting individuals, check out their links check out their experience, check out their stories, and then come back here for more to hear more about it next time. (laughs) And until next time, bye-bye. Ciao, Bella. Thanks for sticking around after the show. Oh my gosh, so many changes and so many things to tell all of you about. We are officially in rerun mode. What does that mean for you? Well, hey, if you listen on your favorite podcast app, nothing is going to change. You will always be able to go back and listen to your favorite episodes and guest spots anytime you want, just as you always have 
Again, nothing will change for those of you that use your favorite podcast app. Next, the website will change a little bit. It will change to www.podpage.com slash random illusions, or you can listen directly off the host site, www.randomillusions.buzzsprout.com. Links are now in every episode show notes. Check it out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash GOST radio, twitter.com slash GOST radio. If you love YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to the Random Illusions podcast YouTube channel, the GOST radio YouTube channel, and TikTok. Don't forget to follow us there. Links are down in the show notes. Exclusively for the listener base of Random Illusions, Tim and I are going to continue our coffee.com divinations. Just let us know if you want a rune reading by Tim or a tarot reading by Shasta and what your question is. Give us about two business days and we will respond with a thorough answer to your question, giving you some insight and maybe a little inspiration as well. If you would like to follow Tim and I as we jump into our new leadership roles and all of the new projects we are presenting and working on, don't forget to hit us up. Facebook, privately, Tim Cheesebrow, Shasta Michaels, Random Illusions, or just shoot us an email at magic, M-A-G-I-C-K, at randomillusions.com. And we will send you links as to where you can keep tabs on all of our future endeavors and adventures. And hey, you may want to get involved yourself. You never know. All right. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. We will be announcing when we will be back. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.